Hi there, this is the Hearsay Podcast. My name is Saya. Welcome to episode number 70. Can you believe that? 70 episodes. First of all, thank you so much to all of you for getting in touch to do illustrations for the podcast. I have so many people to ask now and I'll try and get to you all as soon as I can. Thank you, thank you, thank you. I absolutely can't wait. My guest on today's podcast is Australian rapper 360 or Matt Colwell, as some of you might know him as. 360 is releasing a remastered version of his huge album, Falling and Flying Today, uh, on its 10th anniversary. We have a lovely chat about his memories of recording the album, his current lockdown situation in Melbourne, uh, and, you know, all the stuff about how he first got into hip hop and writing rhymes. It's a pretty cool story. Matt's strange show story was illustrated by the amazing Jane Booty. She does incredible work and you can see some of her stuff on her Instagram at Jane Booty. Uh, That's B-O-O-T-Y, which is pretty much the greatest name ever. Uh, This is a little sketch of hers, but you should see some of the portraits that she has done. They are absolutely bonkers. Go check them out at Jane Booty on Instagram. As always, you can see all illustrations on Instagram at Hearsay Podcast or on the Hearsay Facebook page. Rate and subscribe if you like and give me a little comment. I would love that. Enjoy the chat. Hearsay number 70 with 360. I'm good. How are you? I'm really good. I mean, I feel like it's almost a bit unfair. I'm in Brisbane. We're not in lockdown. You guys are living lockdown life. Yeah, we've uh, yeah we've we've grown used to it now. <laughs> it's pretty much just a part of life. Yeah, I mean, I guess that's all you can do. There's no other way. You just got to get through it. Yeah, that's it. I think um, honestly, I think we're gonna have to get used to it for a long time because it's not going away, and and it's uh. Yeah. It's just something that's going to be a new introduction to our life, really. Something we've got to adapt to. But you have some music that's being Mm re-released. Your album Falling and Flying. It's the 10th anniversary of it. Um, What makes someone remaster and re-release? I've always wondered that. (laughs) Um, I guess to just to make it slap harder in the speakers, you know. Just to give it a bit of a <laughs> bit of an upgrade, so it doesn't sound exactly the same as it did. So it does actually boom a lot harder. Uh, such a trip thinking that it was ten years. Did you add anything in? We added um, we added two songs, but we haven't changed. We haven't. Oh, we and we there's subtle differences to certain songs. Like there's an there's an intro to the album that wasn't on the album originally. There's a new whole new kind of intro kind of section in the first song which is really cool awesome yeah there's a few minimal things but i i I think only the real hardcore hardcore listeners will be able to pick them up yeah because i quite often will listen to a remastered album and only notice very minor things but do you feel Mm. like it sounds really different to you Oh, look, to be, to be completely honest, I don't notice much of a difference with that kind of stuff. I don't have a, a I don't have an ear for 
mixing and um, engineering and all that kind of stuff, like the sound, the soundscapes of, of music, I don't have a great ear. So I do notice, I do notice when we like say compare uh, the old version to a new version side by side. But if they were to put it on, I, I wouldn't know. I wouldn't know what what version it is to be honest yeah I sometimes suffer from that as well like I'm just in the mixing stages of my record and sometimes the guy who's mixing it will ask me like oh do you prefer this thing that I did I'm like I don't even know (laughs) (laughs) I've lost complete perspective of what's happening (laughs) yeah 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 you get jaded eh? and you you also you can it's very easy to say say you might put down a rough idea early early on and you really love the idea in this song and you're just like, oh, this is really cool, but then you've got to record it properly, you can end up being like, oh, I actually preferred the demo that we did rather than the actual recording oh, yeah. and stuff. That happens a, a fair bit. Like, And you can't capture the same vibe. Demoitis, I think they call that. Yeah. I suffer from demoitis big time. And it's also like this, the, the version that you hear so much as you're writing a song. I don't know about you, but... Um, when I write a song, I actually write it in pieces. So I, I very rarely will sit down and write a whole song. So you end up listening to the song over and over and over again. And then no wonder you get stuck in the mind frame of like being stuck to that particular sound because, mm. you know, you've heard it so many times. It's like part of the whole song is that particular sound. I guess I do write in sections. It, it's it's Mine are just lyrical sections, like certain lyrics here then put it all together it's all over the shop and then I'll, I'll I'll have to knuckle down to to get everything together but it's very hard to try and capture that energy that you that you do when you relaxed recording a demo then you've got to record it officially and nail it and do it properly if the energy's not there you can tell like it, and and the thing is I'm all, I don't I'm almost the type of person that's I'd prefer to put the demo out if it feels better you know what I mean I prefer. I, totally. I don't mind if it's got its flaws and it's not that polished. I, I'm okay with that. I'm. I'd rather it just come out with whatever I, th- I think sounds better. Yeah. It's that's actually that's actually happened on the album on on falling and flying. There was one of the one of the songs choruses we just couldn't get it like the demo, and it it was killing me because it was one of my favorites, and we just couldn't end up you know getting getting there. So we ended up just leaving it. Yeah, right. What was what song was that? Uh, that was the takeoff, the first one. Yeah, right. So can you tell me a bit about um, like your experience writing that particular album? Because I, I mean, it was such a long time ago now. Mm. Do you have fond memories of writing the album and recording it? Yeah, absolutely. It was it, it, those the memories of when we were creating that album, like was such a fun period in my life. Some of the best, to be honest. Um, you know, I was so close with my friends at that stage. It was like now everyone sort of drifted apart and living their lives and, and having their families and stuff like that. It was, it was really, uh, really special time for me, for sure. Like, and, and going back and just thinking of the process, the way we'd make music was just so natural. It was just, there was just this chemistry with me and Styles. um, making that album you know we went as soon as we started working together we just started we just clicked straight away and we just started churning out heaps of heaps of really cool really cool songs um bizarre looking back it just trips me out i bet (laughs) 
I'm always really interested how how hip hop artists work because it's so different to the world that I grew up in playing in bands. Mm. Actually, let's go back to like little Matt mm-hmm. and can I can I ask you some questions about growing up and were yeah. you surrounded by music and when did you discover you know writing rhymes and and wanting to like express yourself in that way? So I um my parents weren't crazy into music. They my dad loved like Midnight Oil and um Michael Jackson and we we had like their records and stuff like that and I I became obsessed with Michael Jackson when I was a kid. He was the first kind of artist that I worshipped that I wanted to be like and you know I took dancing lessons to try and learn to dance like him. I was like four or something and they I quit because <laughs> they they didn't teach the moonwalk or anything like that. They didn't actually teach Michael Jackson move. They just taught <laughs> the typical dancing fundamentals <laughs> and um did you ever learn to moonwalk sort of I've, I, I like I can if I get in my socks I can do it on the tiles so <laughs> <laughs> just say that but great not nah, not not that great to be honest then from then it went it went uh there was one day in primary school that the national boys choir came and they were holding auditions for the choir and they just asked if I'd wanted to do it and I was like, okay, and I did it. And they, what they did was the lady played a note on the piano and just said, can you sing these notes? And I, I, I had pipes, like I could really nail, like really, really nail it, you know what I mean? I could control my voice like crazy when I was a kid. And wow. so I, I went, into the, went into the National Boys Choir and Ended up doing like uh, performances with them and solos and all, all, all. It was really, really cool. And um, but my 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 kind of dream was basketball. I wasn't really like that into it as much as I was basketball. I just wanted to be a basketball player. And I got sort of introduced to hip hop around thirteen, fourteen, um, in high school because I looked up to my um my mates' older brothers and. They were skaters and really cool and they were listening to a lot of hip-hop. So we used to just steal their CDs and listen to them and laugh at the swear words and stuff like that. <laughs> what kind of stuff were they listening to? Uh, I remember Wu-Tang was one of the first ones that we listened to and we always used to just listen to it all the time and, and that that was one that was heavily heavily listen to at the very beginning. Um, also the Jurassic five back then. Yeah. Yeah. They were just so cool when I was in high school, I just considered them to be legends and, and then it went and then, and then when I started getting to it myself, rather than just hearing my mate CDs, it was like, I got it so into hip hop, like underground hip hop and learning about the history of the culture and everything about it, you know, like the graffiti scene, the, all that kind of stuff. And what were your artists then? Like, what were you, what were you listening to when you were like, "This is what I want to do." It was, it was like uh, Big L, um, Wu Tang, um, Mob Deep. It was a lot of East Coast American stuff. Um, I, I went through a lot of the down south phase as well. Um, but it was a very heavy, heavy lyrical kind of punchline heavy rap. And I just got obsessed with it so much to the point where I was just like, it was everything I knew. 
I knew the ins and outs of like all the labels. Like I was so into it. It was really, really awesome. It was a, thinking back, I, I really wish I still had that love, like that obsession with it, you know, like, yeah, you know, when you're that, that excitement when a new album's coming out or something like that. I, I, I might get that a little bit these days, but it's just nothing like it used to be when I was young. Yeah, I totally have that feeling too. I think mm. that's, that's just growing up though, isn't it? Because as a teenager, you're very easily obsessive over things, over girls, over boys, over music, over whatever. Mm. Like, because everything is a new discovery. Yeah. And I think now you're kind of like, oh... You know, I've heard an album by that band before and it's pretty good, but you're not like, holy fuck. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know? yeah. It's almost like an album An album needs to be an absolute timeless classic to be like, whoa, like, yeah, this, is, this, yeah. Is, this has got me really feeling a type of way, you know. So I started just messing around with friends from school, um, but also I got heavily involved in... Um, online rapping, so like going onto forums that were dedicated to rap battles, and you'd go on there right. and and you'd uh, you'd have to battle someone, so they'd put up a verse, then you'd reply with your own verse, and then you'd go back and forth, kind of thing. Like you were videoing, or were no, you it was, writing? It was just all all written down. Wow! So it was all just ri- they used to call it key styling instead of freestyling, and um. <laughs> It was, it was like, it was, it was crazy. And honestly, honestly, no word of a lie. I reckon I learnt the most crucial fundamental aspects of writing raps from that. Like, because they was, they, they were all about, you know, the technical part of it. And it was, I learnt everything from that. Wow. It was really cool. Um, and doing those little key styles and (laughs) that was fun. And then I, uh. I wanted to start recording myself and start trying to actually rap for real. So what I used to do is I used to get a pair of headphones and plug them into the back of my computer in the mic section and use those little shitty headphones to record on a mic and I'd hold them up to a speaker while I played an instrumental and then I'd and then I'd rap using like the voice recorder in whatever whatever the Windows voice recorder was at the time like really dodgy stuff. <laughs> That was very hilarious because I was my uh, voice hadn't broken yet, and I Aww. I uh, was rapping an American accent, and I was rapping <laughs> I was rapping about robbing people, and you know, <laughs> like being a being a little little menace, really. But were you speaking from the heart? Were no. you speaking from experience? No, no, no it was no, all no. just like made was, up stuff. Yeah, it was all fake. It was all like want to be stuff, you know, like I wanted to be tough. Yeah. Like I wanted to be seen as a, 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 I wanted people to be intimidated by me and stuff, but I was the least intimidating person ever. <laughs> and <laughs> so it took, very cute. took me a while to, to realise that Australian, the Australian accent was the way to go. Once I started doing that, then I, then I got into the Australian scene, which I was really kind of initially really disliked hip-hop in Australia like I didn't like it at all and then once I kind of I kind of did get into it and sort of forced myself to get into it then I got just as in into that as I did you know the earlier in my early hip-hop underground hip-hop kind of obsession days and I just bounced from Australian artists that I kind of liked and 
um, started working with a label that was run by some dudes that I really, really respected and that I, I actually, you know, they for me, they were pioneers. They were, they were some of the best to do it. And they, they signed me to their label when I was like 16. Wow. But had you like performed at this point? Like had you ever done any like little performances in, I don't know, like pubs or clubhouses or warehouses or whatever? I'd done, um, I had done some rap battles, but not performed Oh, actually, I had, I did, I did, yeah, I did perform a few times. Just once at the laundry when I was sixteen, I'm pretty sure. It was uh, interesting because my 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 voice was I was over trying to be over the top Aussie. I was also trying to be over the top tough then too. So I was just a real identity crisis and. <laughs> It was bad and, and that, that lasted for a while. But obviously this record label would have seen some potential then. You know, you were probably writing pretty good stuff for a 16-year-old, I imagine. I, I think because I did the whole like forum stuff like and learnt about punchlines and wordplay and entendres and all that kind of stuff, I'd, uh, I'd really implemented that into my writing. So the, the lyrics... I had I had the lyrical side of it going, not down, but I had it going, but the vocal projection was just not right yet. Mm. But working with them was was amazing. Like it was, like for me that was at the time it, it was like working with Eminem. You know what I mean? Like I looked up to them to yeah. those dudes so much. And uh, but it wasn't me. I wasn't being myself whatsoever. And it took me years to really work out. You know. It's probably better to just be yourself and not try and put on this image, you know. And it, a lot of that I, I owe to Pez because he was uh, he was the one to say, "Man, this is not who you are." You know, you're just a sweetheart, and you're not you're not a tough tough. You're not around like going around bashing people and shit. Like, just just I want to hear you be yourself in your music more. That's so nice. Yeah, yeah. He's he's done some amazing things um, to help help me like progress as a person and as an artist you know like I owe a lot to him for sure going back to this album I guess how do you formulate a song at this point in your career are you still sort of writing lyrics only or because you do have like a lot of singing and stuff on this album Mm. how did that develop and how how would you go from like starting a song to finishing a song um so when I uh when I kind of got over that phase of being tough and stuff like that I um started being more open to other types of music and not just really raw hip-hop not just the real kind of hard kind of stuff I was I I, I started getting into other genres like listening to a lot of classic rock and and pop even and stuff like that so I started really broadening what I was listening to and one thing someone someone told me, and I will never forget this. Um, there was a band that I I went to school with these guys from a band, and the the singer from that band told me that no matter what you do, always listen to other artists and take inspiration from them, even if it, you don't necessarily listen to that music all the time, because otherwise you limit yourself in what you're doing, and and if you if you can listen to more music and take more in, you'll be a lot more versatile and diverse with your art. And it was extremely like 
knowledgeable thing to say in high school and um that that stuck with me and and then once I started doing that I started becoming obsessed with the songwriting aspect of it and um not just writing a verse that was 16 bars and then uh, having some form of chorus whether it's a melody or raps or scratching it was like it was all about okay let's do uh have a real structure to it let's have bridges and you know the melodies and all that kind of stuff it was all i was really trying to make complete songs rather than just being focused on the raps and mm. teaming up with styles to make falling and flying was very interesting because he's someone who who is so gifted when it comes to writing songs and producing and writing melodies and stuff too so for me to be in that zone where I was really into the songwriting, uh, he was a perfect person to work with. So I remember having a meeting with him and his manager, who's now my manager actually, and uh, I said, look, I want to do an album with you. And he was kind of very standoffish and hesitant because he knew the, you know, uh, my background of where I come from, that very raw, very Aussie kind of kind of stuff. And mm. he, he, didn't, he didn't like that kind of music. So... Um, I was like, no, nah, I don't want to do that. I want to do the opposite of that. I want to, I want to make like introduce dance elements, electro and pop stuff. You know, I wanted, I want to do something that hasn't been done yet. So then we just started working and we clicked straight away. And yeah, that that's and uh, but the process to talk about the uh, process of the songs, like sometimes it'll be in my notes. I've got uh, so many lyrics written in there on my phone. Um, and sometimes it'll be something where like I'll I'll be listening to a beat needing to write a new song and I'll be like, oh, that would actually suit this. And then I, I start extending on it and stuff like that. Or if it's something where it's I, I, I want to talk about something personal, then I usually wait for the music before I start writing the lyrics because if I can find something that moves me emotionally, like makes me feel something and and fits in line with what I want to write about. Once I hear the music, I, it just comes really, really easily to write personal stuff. Yeah, it's it just comes out of me like bang. I can finish some some of the the deepest songs I've written were written very very quickly, like in half an hour or an hour, they just go bang, wow. just fall out. But but speaking of that, do you think that um you have to have been through a lot to write a good rap song? Um, I guess so. I mean, I guess if you want to write a good rap, I guess you have to have been through a lot of practicing, like a lot of, a lot of time actually rapping, you know. I'm a big fan of a lot of different types of rap music, but, but I find a lot of it is like, this is where I've come from and this is where I am now Mm. kind of music. Mm. Do you think that just sort of comes naturally when you're writing Rhymes? Yeah, it definitely does. I like I I probably have a tendency to probably want to say too much and give too much too much personal information away and want to talk about literally everything. You know what I mean? But that's one of the beautiful things about your songwriting is that you are a bit of an open book about your life and your struggles, and I think that makes it relatable. Mm, mm. I I I am. I definitely am the most open in my music but there's certain things that just don't talk about like I, I i nearly i nearly released some songs where i do talk about these certain things but um 
I'm yeah, I'm happy to like I talk about mental my mental health issues and stuff like that, but mm. um and, and addictions and stuff like that. I'm I'm happy to talk about that, but there's uh you know there's certain certain topics that I've I have written about that I've gone nah this is just too much you know what I mean yeah but maybe therapeutic to get it out for yourself you know that's absolutely right like it is a hundred percent the most therapeutic thing like when you're struggling through something really really dark just writing it down just helps so much just like lifts the weight off your shoulders yeah I was gonna say speaking of um, some of the struggles you've been through I'm looking at you now you look really healthy you know in in lockdown it must be difficult for someone who self-isolates and is prone to some mental health issues. Are, mm. you, are you feeling okay? Are you feeling happy? I, I like for the last two weeks, I've, I've been quite good. Like I've been on almost running on a bit of a high and I actually, I put it all down to just because I started exercising again. I just forced myself to really start training again. Um, but I, like I have had a few crashes, like a few days where I've just gone, oh, no, it only like, like it was only just a moment, you know, where I was feeling good and had two days really, really down and then, but then back up again and it, it I, I go in waves, you know. Yeah, I think everybody does. I think the lockdowns have made me even more of a recluse, to be honest. Like when, um, when the lockdowns first started happening last year, I was, I was in rehab for four months and when I got out coming into the stage four lockdowns was just so weird and bizarre I was just like I bet what's going on this is so weird and it, there's a lot of fear a lot of fear going on I was I started started getting scared of leaving the house and stuff like that and I actually yeah. it's it's not it's something I'm working on with my therapist very closely because I actually still haven't caught up with any friends since I've been out of rehab like it's been a year and I actually haven't caught up with anyone none of my mates you know what I mean like is that a conscious choice no no not really no it's it's something it's just where, happened yeah I'm just become so just glued to being at home and 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 not not stepping out of my comfort zone it's like my my studio I'm, I feel comfortable here I feel good at home I've got my routine going well now um and I'm I'm cool with that and, and plus the lockdowns have just kind of screwed yeah. any chance to catch up with mates, you know. Yeah, it's fucked. But so what's helping you is increasing the conversation around mental health online and reaching out. Is that helping? It's weird. Like when I'm in a bad place, I shut off from the world mm. in, a, in a very bad way, like in, in a way that it actually hurts me in the long run because – like I will miss out on opportunities and I've missed out on so many opportunities because I, I go dark on my emails. I just don't reply. I just can't. I, I, have, I have certain things that I'm still trying to uh, get over in regards to that. Um, but the, I th I th honestly, I think exercising has been just so crucial for me. Like it's yeah. remarkable the difference that that makes and, and making music too. I just gradually, like with my therapist, I've been gradually um, implementing new things into my day-to-day -day routine um, because, like, I, I just get overwhelmed and then I shut down and avoid everything. But 
like it was, a, it was a, it, it's kind of embarrassing to admit this and a bit grotty but um you know it was only only recently that I got to the position where I was having showers every day like I was yeah I wasn't having showers every day I was very unhygienic and just avoided it you know what I mean and just just taking that simple step and forcing I can't get my day started without a shower now you know what I mean and that's great. that's one just one example of just a small small thing you added adding in over the over the time and um, exercising has been something that I've wanted to add in but just have not had the motivation for. Yeah, but I, I think that's exactly what so many people are going through that are in lockdown. Mm. You almost think, what's the point of doing anything? You know, what is this for? When am I ever going to be able to perform or use this or whatever, do with this what it's intended to do? In Brisbane, we've been in lockdown for such a short amount of time. I really am so grateful for that. But still, like during that time... It was really hard to get motivated to do things. Mm. And mm. that too are like, you know, you've been in lockdown for over, what is it, 280 days or some insane mm. amount of days. It's <laughs> absolutely crazy. bonkers. My therapist is from Brisbane and she says that she's never seen anything like what's going on at the moment with people's mental health. Like she, she's had to, they don't take any new bookings there. They're just so... Every, and everyone is just peak and anxiety levels. It's, she said it's it's wild. It's it's really scary. Yeah. So for the fact that you're showering and and doing a bit of exercise now and working on songs, that's huge. Yeah. You should feel really good about that. <laughs> I do. I, I I definitely do. Yeah. I feel I feel great about it. Um. And I'm proud of the, you know, how far I've come. But it I, it's taken it a long time and. My friends are very good, very understanding. I'm very lucky to have the, the the my friends that I do because, you know, a lot of people when you go quiet like all the time and stuff like that, they would just be like, "Oh, bugger him," you know, like if 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 he's not going to reply or just go quiet or out of nowhere for no reason. But I've ex- I had to explain to them. I had to like when I got out of rehab, I had to go look. This is why I'm like this, and this is what's going on. I understand if like if that's not cool with you, but. If you could be patient, it, I won't be like this forever. Yeah, I'm sure. And I think everybody hopefully is a bit more understanding in these times as well because a lot of people are going through similar things, you know. Yeah, and it, um, I mean, like I think I'm like I go through struggles and I'm in such a good position where I can, you know, I can work from home and, I'm, you know, live comfortably through it where there's people desperately trying to make ends meet and you know, in horrible, much, much worse positions and stuff like that. Like, yeah, just say it's a tough time, and and for sure, you just feel you just feel for everyone right now. Like, there's you can just sense sense that you know people aren't really people just want it to end, and hopefully it will when we're all vaccinated. But you got to you got to release a song this year. That's pretty exciting. How do you feel about that? I was nervous because I hadn't dropped anything for a while and it was the first song I'd dropped since getting out of rehab and uh, the reception's been great, like so, so, so good. And and for something that hasn't, it's not really a song, it's just one long verse without like any choruses or anything like that. It's just me going, all right, bleh. It's a lot of feelings. Got some 
shit I got to get off my chest. Yeah. People really seem to connect with it, which is which is great. Yeah. How did you write it? Did you do that one over correspondence, over email or? I started writing that while I was in rehab. There were certain things like a lot of the stuff that I'm talking about actually date back probably six or seven years. Some of the some of the certain things that I'm talking about go go way back. Um, yeah, you talk a lot about friendship and stuff in the song. Yes, yeah. There's a lot. A lot of it's about specific people um, and specific things that have happened, but it have happened a long time ago. Or it's I'm not talking about like one person or anything like that. It's a there's a certain sections are about one person then the next is about the next you know that's just it built up from there yeah it's a great song yeah thank you but yeah how did you how did you record it how did you how did you put it together uh I just did it all here like in 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 my little studio at home and I was going to actually put the uh stand alone I was going to put that at the start of rapper tag it would have made rapper tag about 12 minutes long and my manage, managers were like, um, you got to put this out as a, its own standalone song, you know what I mean? Yeah. Because it, it's, um, it's probably a bit too deep to go on something like that. So I'm glad that we, we released it that way for sure. Are you working on an album? Um, I'm writing without an agenda at the moment. Like I'm just enjoying writing writing raps, and I'm, but I'm not writing songs. Like yeah. I feel like I'm sort of in in uh, practice mode, like I feel like I'm training to build up to working on a new album. Um, but I, because I don't have any idea what kind of sound I'd really want to make at the moment, I'm just writing raps and just writing some cool little random joints. And I've, I've got a cool idea for how I want to roll it out because I've got so many, so much that I've written now that I need to start putting it together and recording it. And then hopefully when we start, releasing those I can figure out what I want to do with the next project in the meantime but I think that you know times have changed so much now it's you don't necessarily even have to do albums like you can be creative and and do anything really yeah the world is your oyster exciting I've got a really a quick fire round if you're up for it okay let's go quick answers to quick questions do you get stage fright no do you know how to roll a cable properly? <laughs> Semi. <laughs> uh, do you have a favourite piece of equipment? Uh, microphone. What kind of microphone? It's, uh, Rode NT1A. Okay. What album changed your life? Um, Eminem Marshall Mathers LP. Mm-hmm. And last question, what, what is the last song that made you cry? It was Hans Zimmer that I can't remember the name, but it's from the movie Interstellar. Oh, yeah. That's a beautiful soundtrack. Oh, it's my favourite. It is. I went to see him live and, like, it's, I've never experienced anything like it where I was sobbing, you know, like I was, like, just wow. the music. The music was just so powerful and I just love, yeah, I, was, I loved it. It was so good. He's one of my favourite artists. Yeah, he's incredible. Mm. I um, I was so excited. Cause I make these little um, like felt instruments, and a friend of mine said that um, he went to visit Hans' studio mm. in wherever his studio is, LA, and he had one of my little oh. um, like modular synthesizers on his 
like right next to his monitors. Oh, what? <laughs> That's amazing. I was so excited. What something I made is in his his amazing studio. That's so that's so good. He's a genius. He's a he's, he's a, such a genius. Yeah, I love him. Hey, I want to I'm going to ask you my last question, which yep. is the question that I ask everybody. What is your strangest show experience? Look, um, I'm not going to say who. <laughs> we were doing a festival tour and we're chilling backstage and just it was after the show. I think we were everyone was partying at this stage and there was a lot of cocaine bags and shit like that. And in our room, we had a lot of um, a lot of empty bags with like little coke residue on them and stuff like that. And out of nowhere, we just saw sandwiches like getting launched like over our heads. Like we just saw sandwiches flying over. With no like, no <laughs> sound, with no no context or anything, just sandwiches, and he's just like, "What the <laughs> fuck is going on?" And we looked out, and then this person, um, waltzed in, and this person, we know this person, um, and they started tearing apart the empty bags and just licking them, and whoa, and uh, <laughs> it was just so wild. It was so funny. I, yeah, it's not even the most wild thing, but it just, it, you probably had to be there. <laughs> Did the person throw the sandwiches? Is yeah, that they what were, happened? Yeah, they were going through everyone's, gr- uh, like, green rooms and just trashing shit, like, throwing Whoa. shit around. It was it was bizarre. It was really bizarre. Um, so yours wasn't the only room targeted? No. But it might have been the only room with little baggies in it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was... It was <laughs> It was the only one where the bags were getting licked and, and that was um that was just hilarious. <laughs> and we had another one where we uh we, we were having like an after party and we were there was a whole group of us and we wanted to go to bed, but no no one would get the hint to leave. Like the guests yes. in your room, you yeah. mean? Yeah. Yeah, everyone that was just coming back to have a f- have a good time, we we were pretty much done, and no one was picking up on the cues that we wanted to go to bed. So my mate ended up just being really blunt, like, "All right, guys, get the fuck out," kind of thing. And then twenty minutes later, this chick kicks open the door, <gasps> holding a fire extinguisher, and she <gasps> just she goes, "Rock star shit, bitches!" And then she just. Coats the entire room. It was amazing. Like it really. Oh my god! It was really, really. We got really <laughs> pissed off at the time, but looking back on it now, I, 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 I appreciate it so much. Like I have, <laughs> I have a great appreciation for it. But you were you covered in the whole room, all all our laptops, <laughs> everything was just covered. Looked like it had been snowing with the roof no. off. Yep. It was like a. Were snow- you like throwing yourself in front of your equipment? Oh, it was already done. No. Like it was just, that, oh, yeah, man. it was like a snow globe with no glass covering. It was just crazy. And oh. that was funny. And and that was, that was messy. Funny now. Funny now. Yeah. But at the time it was like, we just wanted to go to bed. Um, I think oh. most of us did go to bed and the tour manager ended up just cleaning it up. <laughs> That's when the tour manager quit. They did. Yeah. They did quit after that. <laughs> Like legit, oh, like man. no lie. That, that that's brutal. Also, I wonder if that that girl woke up the next day and was like, "I did something really stupid." I actually, so we saw her. Like, I think it was the, 
uh, tour after that and we, we were all good. Like, we, you know, we were all just having a laugh about it. <laughs> You've forgiven her. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it was, it was actually like, you know, respect. You know? Okay. I wouldn't have let her backstage after that. <laughs> oh, she wasn't. She wasn't. No, definitely not backstage after that. No. I had a similar experience once where I was playing, and someone um, turned on a fire hose that was next to the stage. It was in a community hall, and just fire hosed the stage. So oh. I was like completely drenched, and oh. my keys were all like, and you know, and I played like analog, old, vintage stuff. Um. And yeah, completely just sprayed water all over my gear. I, I was so upset. <laughs> oh man! And afterwards, they it turned out they were on acid, and they were just like, "You oh. just looked really hot. Like you looked really like you needed to cool down." Oh, <laughs> oh my gosh! So he was being kind. So it was an act of kindness in a in a moment of LSD yeah. tripping. That's hilarious. Yeah. <laughs> hey. Thank you so much for talking to me today and thank you for your honesty and so lovely to meet you. Pleasure. Thank you. You too. Mm -hmm.